Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> check, check. All right. Well, it's been said already, but I'll say it again. He is risen. That's really the sermon today. That's it. I'm, we can all just go home. Because uh, that's what all that needs to be said on this day is that Christ is risen. Brothers and sisters, death could not defeat him and the grave could not hold him. Jesus conquered death and has won the victory for us. Amen and amen. All right. Uh, this is good news for me. This is good news for you. This is good news for us. This is good news for the world. Uh, it is why we spend more time on Easter Sunday morning in exuberant and joy-filled praise and music. Wasn't the choir just amazing? Hear it for them again. Awesome. Uh, it, is, it is cause for praise and for celebration. Uh, we are with family. It's, 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 why, it's why the ham is cooking at home. Uh, anyone ham? A couple? Okay, great. Okay. Uh, kind of have to. All right. So uh, why we're eating way too much chocolate today, perhaps, uh, it's, you know, I'm wearing a tie. Usually people, like, did someone die? No, quite the opposite. He is risen, okay? It's not a funeral today. He has, he has risen. Christ is risen. Grace and peace be with your spirit now more than ever. Today we're concluding our series, Seeking, and uh, today from our scripture passage, we're holding the question together, who are you looking for? It has been a blessed week, a blessed series, but a blessed week for sure. We had Monday, Thursday service on Thursday over at Roanoke Mennonite Church, and then we had Good Friday. Um, did it come unplugged? Mike? Oh. Okay. Sorry. It was good. I, I, yeah, I think, it, I think it'll last, though. Thanks, Mike. Let's hear it from Mike, everybody. Yes. Good. <laughs> uh, so, and if it goes out, you know, we'll rely on a different kind of power. So, mo Monday, uh, Monday, Thursday was Thursday, and then Good Friday was on Friday this year. Uh, we had that a couple nights ago right here uh, in the sanctuary in a blessed time to be sure. Um, this series, in fact, has been a gift, and as many of you know, uh, Hudson has been uh, painting uh, a progressive art piece, and so Hudson, come on up. There you go. Just squirt that out. Cool. Uh, so he'll continue that this morning, uh, and then um, and this eye is you know representing representing our series seeking uh, honest questions for a deeper faith, and our eye our eyes this morning for us collectively reach the tomb. In search of something. Or in search of someone. Uh, when we think of an empty tomb, we receive this as good news, reason for celebration and for thanksgiving, because we here in 2023 know what that means. Though if we suspend our knowledge of that and enter the story, enter the shoes, enter the sandals of Mary Magdalene and the other women, Peter, and who, whomever the beloved disciple is or was, perhaps unnamed, because maybe it's you. Because you are indeed beloved. It isn't hard to imagine, back then, 
receiving the news of an empty tomb would not have been a reason for celebration. Rather, it would have been deeply troubling news in that moment. Because now, uh, you know, the way death and burial typically, typically works is that when someone dies, the body remains in the tomb forever. That's typically how it works, right? Uh, this was, is the standard. So the only natural explanation is that someone has moved the body. Somebody has moved, stolen the body. This is why Mary tells Peter and the other disciple, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Then both disciples hurry up, hurry to the tomb. Peter goes in, notices the strips of linen, neatly folded, which is always interesting. Okay, odd detail. I like this because it's a track meet. You know, it's got the first track meet in scripture. Actually, the only one, too. So, uh, and so Peter runs, so does the beloved disciple, right? Um, and finally, the other disciple, so we pick it up from there, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And it says that the other disciple, unnamed, he saw and believed. He saw and believed. The question is, what exactly did he believe? Did he at this time, or she, at this time believe in the resurrection? Perhaps. Or did the disciple just believe Mary's story, that the tomb was in fact empty, that the body was indeed gone? Because it's safe to say that the empty tomb on that morning actually brought more questions than it did answers. Isn't that like Jesus, even in this? Who, throughout his ministry and his interactions with people, often brought more questions than answers? To be precise, someone actually counted. I did not. Jesus asked how many questions in Scripture? Anyone, any guess? How many times did he ask a question? If you were to say 307, you would be right. <laughs> 307. Someone counted. Jesus is then, he is asked, okay, how many questions in Scripture? If you said 182, you'd be wrong, because it's 183. 183 questions times he is asked a question. Okay? How many answers does Jesus give throughout all of Scripture? Any guesses here? Yeah, three. Three. Well, depending on that one time. No, it's got three. He provides a lot more questions than he does answers, right? And even in this, this morning, there's an empty tomb. It provides a lot of wondering, a lot of questions. The empty tomb only brought more questions. They believed, perhaps, because it says they believed or he believed. Perhaps it was only Mary's news of the empty tomb. This news would have been disturbing on that morning. The empty tomb wasn't enough for them or for Mary to believe. 
And then next, we have this interaction between Mary and the angel. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Now, if I were Mary on that morning, and I happened upon the tomb, and there are two angels, okay? These angels say, why are you crying? If I were Mary, I'm like, who are you guys? And where did you get those wings? That's what I'd be asking, right? I mean, like, I think it's the black crow. She talks to angels, okay? So, like, like it's, it's like no big deal. Oh, yeah, just talk to these angels here. It's fine, okay? <laughs> All right, so, uh, and also in this moment, in this interaction, in this account, uh, there is no um, reference to do not fear, which is often the case when angels come and talk to someone. <laughs> do not fear. Do not fear. And not here in this account, which is also interesting to me. They say, why are you crying? And without questions, without hesitation, Mary explains why she is weeping. And it's related to the wide range of emotions that perhaps she's holding. Okay? Grief. Confusion. Maybe perhaps a bit disturbed, uncertain, and in mourning. Jesus is dead. She's in mourning. And here it's important to name that mourning, sorrow, and lament are important and necessary steps. For we cannot find our way to healing or wholeness without going through grief and mourning. I say that to say that resurrection doesn't take away our tears, but it reminds us that our tears are not the end of the story. Said another way, resurrection reminds us the story isn't over. The story isn't over. As we continue, we reach one of the most transformative interactions in all of scripture. At this, she turned, that is Mary, turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, which is a whole nother sermon, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Here we read that Jesus sees, sorry, here we read that Mary sees Jesus. Mary sees Jesus. And it's Jesus who she's looking for. Looking for Jesus and does not recognize him. And does not recognize him until something happens. And what is that? He says her name. Mary. He says her name. Now, 10 chapters earlier in John chapter 10, 1027, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my what? 
my voice. He says, Mary, this is, this was such a beautiful moment. Jesus first appearing to Mary is a, rea- is a reality that simply cannot be overstated. The fact that Mary is the first to recognize Jesus, that Jesus had risen, is so very important in a world that still uses the Bible to justify subordination and violence against women. That was my soapbox moment. But this passage makes me think of times when I've heard Jesus' voice. The times that I hear Jesus' voice. Those moments where I hear and recognize my shepherd's voice. Those moments where it seems as though a veil has been lifted, going from confusion to clarity. Those moments where I feel grounded and the spirit is fully alive in me. You know, these moments as a pastor come all the time, almost daily. I wish, (laughs) right? It's like, oh, he must hear Jesus' voice all the time. Well, no. (laughs) But it happens. Every so often, it happens. There are a few moments that I can, can, without a doubt, sense Jesus' calling on my life. There are times without a, there are moments without a doubt where I know of Jesus' invitation to me. I can sense Christ leading me to do something or to respond in a certain way. I think um, of when I first began to follow as a true disciple in 1999. I can remember my call into vocational ministry. I can remember countless decisions between that moment and now that has led me here. That Jesus has lifted previously what had been veiled. Now, as I was praying about this moment, this part of the sermon, I sensed that we should pause and just Consider those moments for each of us, individually. So here's the invitation. Okay? Uh, I think it's going to be on the next slide here. Uh, Describe a time when you recognize Jesus for the first time or recently. Maybe it's the first time you ever heard him say your name. So that's one question. Okay. And if you haven't had that experience, just recognize that and say, welcome. Glad you're here. It's okay. I think it's Olive Garden that says, when you're here, you're family. Good. Well, welcome. Welcome. So there's one question right there, the top one. And then the other one is the, the one we're holding today as a group. Who are you looking for? 
you're here today. Who are you looking for? So we're going to take a full minute, and I want you to um, consider one of these questions. Because after that minute, my gift to you is that you're going to find someone, and you're going to respond to these questions with someone else. And we're going to give you four minutes to do that. So two minutes each. So I'm going to give you a full minute to think about one of these questions and then be prepared to then share with someone, maybe someone you don't know very well or someone you journey with all the time. It's fine. But we're going to hold these. It's going to do a minute, and then I'll, I'll, I'll release us to talk with someone else. Okay, family, let's share. Two minutes each person. We'll be back in four. Maybe if there's some music you can play there, Garrett, that'd be great. Thank you. Let's share.
one more minute. One more minute. start back in and Steve gets extra points because he <laughs> yes I love that that's good uh, three yeah three extra points specifically okay so along with the Holy Spirit's prompting as I was thinking about this moment in the sermon um, there's another reason maybe this is why you know uh, I'm asking us to participate in that and I do find it you know you know I think we all stayed where we're kind of comfortable with known people, it's fine. It's all good. It's good. Steve, that's why he gets extra points. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, how did that feel? How did that feel? Was it uncomfortable? Was it comfortable? Was it, I can't wait? Like, oh my gosh, why are we doing this? <laughs> you know, like, what, how did that feel? And then as you began to share, like, how did that feel? as well. And again, there's a reason. This is fun. This is going to be good. Now, we reached the end of the story this morning, but uh, it's the end of the story, but not the ongoing effects of the story. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I, ha I have not yet ascended to my father, or to the father. Uh, go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Okay, first, do not hold on to me is just another sermon as well. It's just, <laughs> this is jarring. It's always, don't hold on to me. Hey, I'm back. Don't touch me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, don't hold on to me. Why? Well, we can't just simply just hold on to Easter. Uh, we can't stay here all day, right? Uh, even though the candy from the Easter baskets will last for a few more days, we can't just stay here on Easter. The invitation was to go, and then what'd she do? She went. Go. Went. She went. And she shared, I have seen the Lord. Friends, what we just did sharing with one another, we can call it practice. We can call it preparation. We can call it training. We can call it a run-through, a drill, call it a custom, a method, call it an exercise. In the, con in the Christian tradition, we call it a witness. We call it a witness. I have seen the Lord. Good news needs to be shared with the world. It needs to be shared with our community, our neighbors, and with one another. And by practicing it, may it be so. 
And in the meantime, here's what, the, here's what we're going to do. I think we did this two years ago. Pull out your cell phone. Smartphone, whatever you got. Yep. Um, find someone in your contact list and say, I have seen the Lord. Or he is risen, if you'd like. I'll allow for that. So let's just continue. Let's continue. And we could say, I have seen the Lord any day of the year. People might look at you kind of funny. <laughs> or he has risen. We can say it any day of the year. So practice, witness. Good news that's not shared is just something else. I don't know what it is. It's nothing. So yeah, just yeah. You have permission to use your cell phone for the next thirty seconds, <laughs> and then uh, we'll we'll end, or whenever they're ready. So, go ahead. Yep. So if you were here for Palm Sunday last week, we did this song, "Man of Sorrows." but we didn't do all of it because the bridge and the last verse talk about seeing the stone rolled away and having to wait and to wait for good things, for redemption and for um, new life. It's hard, but we don't have to wait anymore. So stay seated, but I dare you not to feel this last verse.
The Lord speaks to us in Jeremiah 31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is a said. This is hope, steadfast love. There is hope for your future. This is your turn to speak of God's faithfulness, uh, perhaps to extend a blessing or to receive a blessing. Steve has the microphone. Please raise your hand and speak up. Sheila Graber. Um, I would just like to ask for prayers for my son, Samuel, one of his coaches. Um, his wife, they were on vacation, and she ended up um, getting really sick and is on life support, actually, um, down in Florida. So um, they have two kids, and um, she's very young, so prayers for her. We pray for Samuel's coach's wife in this uh, very stressful situation and this illness. We pray for God for your presence and we pray for healing uh, for this family. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayers. Anna Teeman. I am asking for prayers. Um, 
continuing prayers for my mom. Um, she's doing good, but she just needs uh, prayers for strength and um, so she can continue getting better. And then also I was uh, in to see my doctor and um, he is concerned about me and uh, my um, health. Um, I've been having a lot of problems trying to um, lose some weight and he's concerned that if I don't 